human, clinical sexologist, sexuality educator, Madonna, whore, cis woman, queer, friend, employee, business owner, feminist, advocate, and the list goes on. Hi, at the heart of it all, I'm Karen Bradfield, and welcome to my podcast, Messy Hats. So it started really in early 2019 when somebody that I know from one context has seen me in another context and they'd made just this passing comment that they found it hard to believe that both of those versions were me, that I had seemed so different in that second place that they'd seen me from how they had traditionally experienced me. And that was a bit of a wake up call because I'd really believed that I was being authentic and that I was being fairly consistent. And yet the observation of that was that there really were different versions of me in those multiple contexts. And I started to think about just how exhausting it might be to be wearing so many different hats. I was already aware that there were different versions of me, and I do think that's a pretty normal thing for humans. We do all wear lots of different hats, and each of those hats does require a different part of ourselves. But I guess I didn't really realise how different my hat-wearing personas were and how far removed possibly from my own internal sense of self they were. I have always been someone who's worked hard to reflect on my actions and my beliefs and when I find that they don't work or they're potentially harmful, I do try really hard to change them. And I know that that stems from being a child who was naughty and angry. And I really, as I got carted around to different professionals who were all trying to find a label for me back in the 80s, there probably wasn't a label back then, I internalised a label for myself and that label was unworthy. And so with all these people telling me that I wasn't normal, that there was something different about me, that I needed to change, I really took on board and came to believe that the version of me that currently existed wasn't good enough and it would never be accepted. And that experience, I guess, is such a huge part of why I work in sexuality education and why I'm really committed to trauma-informed practice, because I think as adults, we have that responsibility to support healthy identity development and social-emotional learning, that not filling children with these ideas that there's something wrong with them or that they're broken or that they're unworthy of love. Anyway, that's a discussion for a different episode, but That belief of being unworthy has really continued to sit with me as I've grown into an adult. And it definitely answers part of why I think I'm so different in different contexts and spaces, because it really is about me trying to fit in and be seen as acceptable by that group. That experience, I guess, was not only a huge catalyst for personal growth, but it was based on a belief or a realisation that if I didn't change at that time, nobody would like me. And I am proud of who I've become and the work that I've done to get here, but I certainly mourn parts of me that I can see that I've lost along the way. And I do in many ways mourn the loss of who that Karen was, of who that, what I would now describe as a vivacious and and full of life and assertive young child was and really that got labelled as as being a bit of a troublemaker and being too loud and all of those things that we I think are slowly starting to undo particularly when we talk about young cis girls. So late 2019 I floated in the pool and I was just this day I was thinking about that person's comment and I was really started to think about the idea of context collapse which really says that basically we're just actors and depending on which situations and audiences we're with we're really acting out these different versions of ourselves or bringing different parts to the fore 
The term comes from digital humanities and the collapse part of context collapse really occurs when, for example, suddenly our friends, work friends might see pictures of us drunk on the weekend on Facebook or our gym friends observe a comment from a conservative relative on social media. So when those areas of our lives that we would traditionally compartmentalise and keep quite separate, where we would be our authentic selves for those audiences, they all start to merge and that's the collapse of those different contexts. And that's what had started happening for me, I think. I wouldn't call call it image making or image control, but I did have really specific versions of me for different contexts. And who Karen was at the pub wasn't the same Karen that goes to work and it wasn't the same Karen that I am with my close friends. And it certainly wasn't the Karen that I am when I'm on my own. So even though I felt I was being authentic at the heart of it all, I was starting to really think like, yes, I'm a good authentic person who tries their best, but I am very aware of the fact that I'm adapting myself to be more worthy in all of these situations. And each time I put on one of those different hats, a different part of me was being expressed to try and get that audience to like me, to be more palatable or more acceptable, I think, in in kind of a magnified explanation. So with all the personal growth that I went through in my 20s and 30s, it really means that I guess I'm a very different person now to who I was. And this was brought home to me in a recent conversation with my child. And actually, it started as an argument because I had my mother hat on. And as they were kind of retelling memories of their childhood, I was struggling to accept that the person in those memories was me. And that wasn't who I was or how I remembered it. And I was really offended. And I guess after the sort of argument, I realised that I wasn't actually offended. I had felt vulnerable and scared. And so rather than this being something that I needed to dispute, it actually was something that I could learn from. So maybe I put my therapist hat on at that point in time, but we revisited the conversation as an opportunity to learn more about each other's reality and to really, I guess, for me to learn about the Karen who had been present for them as a child. And even though I'd outgrown that Karen, that Karen still existed in the memories of my child. This echoed some of those Jungian ideas on how we exist in the minds of others. So I, I exist as a different version in the minds of everybody who knows me and their perceptions and interpretations of me they're outside of my control, but it is a really different version of me for each of them because they're processing that through their own experiences and their own lenses. So not only am I now coming to the realisation that I'm wearing all these different hats, but that each person I interact with is interpreting that hat-wearing version of Karen as a different thing as well. And again, I could, could see in that idea sort of this opportunity coming, I, I could get some inkling that then maybe I could explore what it was to be human by talking with others about how they're coming to know themselves and also how I know them. And I've done a lot of internal work and yet the external version of me is not only outside of my control, but it had kind of been fed back to me as being different and thinking about this kind of Jungian idea and thinking about context collapse I'm performing different versions of me. And so that comment from the person and my learnings from my conversation with my child and a few months of wrangling with it all on that day in the pool, I just sank to the bottom. And it was like the scene out of Ferris Bueller's day off when Cameron sinks to the bottom of the pool. And I realized at that moment that I was locked in an unwinnable battle with myself. I was the only one who could let me be vulnerable and explore what was underneath it all. 
And yet I was the one that was controlling the narrative of me and being vulnerable didn't fit in that narrative. It wasn't something that I felt needed to be part of all of those different hat wearing persons, all of those different versions. And so over the following weeks, as I kind of molded over more and more, I was thinking about vulnerability and I guess how that fitted within the context of my work, because it is something that I talk about when I'm doing sexuality education, and it is something that I've spoken about with clients in therapy before. So this seemed like a good place to maybe start for myself. Sexuality is really central to this exploration of authenticity and vulnerability as I try and know myself and know others and really know what it is to be human because I think that the identity and the inequality and intimacies that we find woven within our sexuality is not only fascinating but it's fundamentally human. And when I think about the times in my life when I have been vulnerable or I can truly say that I've had deeply authentic experiences, it has been mediated through my sexuality. I'm really comfortable being vulnerable when my sexuality is the part of myself that I'm sharing with others. Um, and, and I realise that's really different to the experience of lots of people. I certainly struggle with being socially vulnerable or professionally vulnerable, but I'm okay with being sexually vulnerable. And when my sexuality is close to the surface, I don't feel afraid. I don't doubt my worth. I don't feel that I need to control the narrative of who I am because I am just this and that's it. And so this part of the process and the possible, I guess the possible lifelong challenge for me is really to work out how do I navigate bringing this part forward in an authentic way? Because this part is my authenticity and my vulnerability, but also being a sexuality professional, I've kind of almost worked hard to remove my sexuality from my work. And then I think the flow on of that has been my life. Um, I keep it out of the therapy room. I keep it out of classrooms and events. And I think that does make sense. Now, it's not necessarily appropriate to uh, be, you know, dressed as a pole dancer and performing my pole moves and then going into a sexuality workshop. That's my, for myself, I mean. Um, and But that, you know, it doesn't feel false. And to be honest, I think I'm kind of sick of suppressing this thing that for me is so powerful. And I am aware that part of that's programming, that it's, you know, I'm going to have to reverse this idea, I guess, of the legitimacy quest, that being seen as professional or socially appropriate means that I have to control my sexuality so that I don't offend other people. And I don't want to do that anymore. So having that aspect of myself that I know best makes me question if I do actually know me because that's the part that I feel like I'm, I'm holding back on the most. And it is woven through the rest. It's the part that has the most constraints on its expression. And I can kind of see that the hiccup in my plan is that I'm really trying to control the thing that is most vulnerable and most authentic. So there has to be a balance in that somewhere. And the radical intimacy that I think I'm seeking with myself will be not only understanding how it's woven through those parts, but how authenticity fits with that wearing different hats and in different contexts. Also, having been single now for many years, that outward expression of my sexuality has become less and less. And it's definitely a loss that I'm feeling. And I don't doubt that that's contributed to the this experience of discombobulation and I guess needing to push through and reach some new chapter. Because the thing that's always been my comfort and my authentic expression is the place that I'm spending the least amount of time in. I don't know what I'm going to find through this podcast, except that the only way to end the unwinnable battle seemed to be to surrender, which really kind of meant that I had to do something that scares me and forces me to confront that feeling of unworthiness. So being vulnerable and sorting through the messy hats in the public sphere seemed like the answer.
I'm really excited to be having these conversations with friends and colleagues and experts and just kind of random people, I guess, that I come and meet along the way. It will be 20 episodes. Each of those episodes will not necessarily explore something to do with sexuality specifically, but we'll be exploring what it is to be human. We'll be exploring the social, cultural, political context that we all exist in exploring a whole range of identities and expressions and through those conversations and understanding how other people experience their own vulnerability and their own authenticity, I'm really hoping will provide an opportunity for me to dig a little bit more into who is and what is Karen. So that's all for today's episode of Messy Hats. Thank you for listening. I've taken the first steps in sorting through the pile of messy hats. Join me every fortnight as I talk about vulnerability, authenticity, radical intimacy and the experience of sexuality. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't already, stop by my website goldcoastsexology.com.au and check out the courses, services and free resources that I've got to offer.